You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. I'm so glad you're with us today as we're continuing our Freedom Series. I want to remind you that we have resources available on our website for this series. If you just scroll down on the homepage, you'll find a little section there with Freedom Resources. Um, We have Bible reading plans. We have some prayers that you can pray. Uh, We have some book recommendations. So take advantage of that. So today we're continuing our Freedom Series, and we're going to talk about a topic that I know is so important for all of us, because I really believe it's one that we can all relate to. We're going to talk about fear today. Now, speaking of fear, I did a little Google research on some of the top phobias out there based on research, and I thought I'd share some with you today, and I figured we'd have a little fun. This is going to be a lighthearted moment, okay? So as I read through these today, can we have some crowd participation? Maybe you want to just slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's one that I identify with. This is going to kind of be like a group therapy session, okay? We're going to have some fun, all right? So here's some of the top phobias out there. Number one, here's the first one, acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Anybody the fear of heights? The older I get, the more the fear of heights is just there. Like I see these videos on Instagram of people like bungee jumping off of cliffs and people jumping like out of like, you know, hot air balloons with like just parachutes on. And my palms literally start sweating when I'm watching these videos, right? Acrophobia. Here's one, um, aerophobia, the fear of flying. Anybody have the fear of flying? This one doesn't bother me. The fear I have is sitting next to a stranger who wants to talk to me on the plane the whole time or being stuck between two oversized people who spill over into my seat. That's my fear of flying. How about this one? Agoraphobia, the fear of public spaces or crowds. Anybody? No, you came to church today. That's the people watching online. (laughs) You're here today, right? All right. Having a little fun in church today. How about this one? I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Uh, Eichmophobia and hemophobia, the fear of needles and blood. I think that's a lot of us. Um, Claustrophobia, we all know this one, right? The fear of like tight spaces. Anybody claustrophobic? You know, I never thought I was claustrophobic, but we have a lift elevator here in the building and it's a very old building and every now and then it stops in between floors. And I quickly found out I'm more claustrophobic than I thought I was. (laughs) How about this one? Um, uh, Arachnophobia, the fear of spiders. Anybody fear of spiders? Yeah, spiders, snakes is kind of a popular one. Those don't bother me. It's cockroaches. I hate cockroaches. My vision of hell is like, I'm going to get like one day, I'm going to see I'm like, God, why did you create, like, what was the cockroaches thing all about? Like, what did you have in mind with that? <laughs> how, about, how about this one? Uh, mysophobia, the fear of dirt and germs. Come on, where are the germaphobes? These are the people who shook your hand this morning and they're like, Psh-k-k-k. they just started washing their head, like right after that, I'll wash all those germs off. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> how about this one? Dentophobia, the fear of dentists. Anybody? Come on, who's overdue for your dentist checkup? Now listen, we have some really good dentists in our church, right? If you need a recommendation, come find me, all right? You don't have to be afraid of the dentist. And then here's one that I think we can all identify with. I don't care what walk of life you're in. There's actually a term for this. It's parasophobia, the fear of paying taxes in the IRS. So we all, can all of our hands go up for this one? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, it's one thing to be afraid of spiders or heights or snakes or whatever, but it's another thing to experience a crippling fear that literally grips your heart and keeps you from moving forward in life. And I think 
Some of you have experienced this. Maybe you're experiencing this now. Maybe it's the fear of making the wrong decision as you think about your future, as you think about your career, or maybe what college you're trying to pick, or the future of a relationship, and, and you begin to feel fearful about that. Maybe it's, it's the fear of, of the future. Um, you find yourself thinking about how things could go wrong instead of really being thankful for how things are going well in the present. You find yourself always kind of worrying about the future. Maybe for some of you, it's fear. You find yourself worrying about your loved ones. Maybe you've experienced something tragic in the past and you find yourself always worrying about what's gonna happen to your family, your loved ones. Could something wrong happen? Could someone get sick? Uh, maybe for some of you, you're experiencing it as anxiety today. You know, anxiety is, is often the result of a bunch of little fears or a bunch of different fears that kind of tip the scales, right? And we begin to feel anxious and we feel overwhelmed. Well, if you're feeling that today, I have good news for you. You came to the right place today because we believe there's freedom in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen, somebody? Like, that's what this whole series is about. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. How many of you could use more power, more of God's love in your life, and a sound mind? I think that's all of us, amen? And we're believing for that today. Today, I want to help you in this message to overcome fear. Today, I want to help you experience freedom from the kind of fear that can be crippling at times. So for the past few weeks, we've been in this, this series called Freedom, and, and we've been, we started with this idea. It's one thing to be free. It's another thing to actually live like you're free. It's one thing to be free, right? I think we think of ourselves as modern-day people as being so free. We can do whatever we want, go wherever we want. But it's one thing to be free. It's another thing to actually live like we're free. And I think most of us, we have things in our lives that, that weigh us down, that hold us back, sometimes that even make us feel like prisoners. Maybe it's uncontrollable anger. Uh, maybe it's, it's some compulsive behavior. Let's call it what it is, an addiction. Maybe it's lies that we've believed about ourselves. Every one of us, we have some area of our lives where we need to experience the freedom of God through Jesus Christ. Now, let me just remind you of where we've been because we're a few weeks into this series now. We started out talking about our identity in Christ and this idea that until we find our identity in Christ, we're always gonna be tempted to find it somewhere else in the approval of others or how much money we make or how many uh, material possessions we accumulate or our, our performance, right? We have to be secure. We find freedom in our identity in Christ. In week two, we talked about acknowledging the pain can lead to a healed heart. You can experience the healing of God in your heart until you can actually identify the pain that you're carrying around. Last week, uh, Pastor Dave talked about forgiveness, right? And the power of releasing the, the debts that, that, that we incur in life that others incur, right, as they, as they hurt us. And so today we're going to talk about overcoming fear by trusting in God. Overcoming fear, not through positive psychology, but by trusting in God. And we're going to look at a scripture. We're going to look at Psalm 56. And, and, and the psalmist here is King David. And, and he does exactly this. He does exactly what we're, we're talking about today. He trusts God despite facing overwhelming fear. Now, the Psalms, I, I love the Psalms. The Psalms are the original prayer book of God's people. They're this ancient collection of hymns and prayers that the people of God have prayed for generations, for centuries. And one of the things I love about the Psalms is they deal with the full range of human emotions. Like whatever you're feeling, you can find a Psalm about it. And there are plenty of Psalms that deal with fear. In fact, I say this all the time. If you, if you need a little motivation in your prayer life, kind of running out of things to pray, just get in the Bible, start reading the Psalms, and you will begin to get language for your prayer life. And so here's the subtitle of Psalm 56. Let me 
me set this up for you. The subtitle of Psalm 56 says this, a Psalm of David, when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. Now, we don't know a lot, you know a lot about all the details surrounding this situation, but how many of you would say that does not sound like a good situation? The Philistines were King David's arch enemy. He spent most of his life battling the Philistines. And in this situation, he's behind enemy lines. And he's in a town called Gath, surrounded by the, the enemy. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Gath, but here's one thing I discovered. It is the birthplace of the most famous Philistine ever in all of the Bible. It is the birthplace, uh, birthplace of the giant named Goliath. So David is in a really bad spot. He's in a fearful situation. Let's read and see what we can learn about how he responds. Psalm 56, verses 1 through 7. Here's what it says. Here's what King David writes. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. Come on, how many of you can relate to that right away? (laughs) People are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. Look at verse 3. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Verse four, I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They're always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step eager to kill me. Verse seven, don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, oh God, bring them down. Come on, how many of you have ever prayed a prayer like that before? God, just take them out. I'm so tired of all these difficult people. Why don't you just kill them all? None of y'all ever prayed a prayer like that? Okay, y'all are more spiritual than me because I can resonate with that prayer. (laughs) So how do we overcome a spirit of fear? That's what we're talking about today. How do we overcome a spirit of fear? We wanna walk in freedom in this area of our lives. That's what this series is about, right? It's about embracing the freedom that God has for us through his son, Jesus Christ, the freedom that he has for us as his sons, as his daughters. And so we don't wanna be bound up, locked up, weighed down by fear. How do we overcome a spirit of fear? I wanna give you a few principles today that you can put in your notes. Here's the first one, number one, identify your fear. You gotta identify your fear. Look at what King David does, verses one and two. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. See, David identifies his fear. David doesn't make excuses. David doesn't try to project that he's strong, that he has it all together. He doesn't try to say all the right Christianese things that make him sound really spiritual. David identifies his fear. Come on, just like there's power in naming the person who you need to forgive. We did that last week. Come on, how many of you know there's, there's power in naming your fear? Just calling it what it is. Just being open and real and honest about it. You know, in week two, we talked about how um, often surface level pain points to, to pain that we're experiencing a few layers down. How many of you were here during week two and you remember that? We talked about how often we're kind of in touch with surface level emotions like anger, right? But many times there's something going much deeper on the inside of us, something, something going on deeper in our hearts. Well, I, I really believe fear is much the same way. A lot of times maybe we're, we're kind of conscious of something we're fearful about, you know, maybe our finances or a situation or uncertainty. But a lot of times it has to do with something that's deeper going on inside of us that we need to identify that maybe even has to do with our identity. And so maybe it's a fear of rejection, which sounds something like this. I'm not gonna put myself out there because what if I do and they reject me? 
What if they don't like me? What if they find out who, who I am and they don't like me for who I really am? The fear of rejection. Maybe it's the fear of insignificance. It's this sense that nobody really cares about me. The fear of I'm gonna get to the end of my life one day and feel like I was an insignificant person. And that affects your decisions and the way you relate to people. Maybe it's the fear of failure. What if I don't succeed? What if I'm just not good enough? I can tell you I've battled with the fear of failure. It'll affect the way you operate in life. Maybe it's the fear of betrayal. There's this subconscious sense like, I can't trust people. They'll just hurt me like everyone else. And here's the problem. Betrayal is only possible with proximity. And so what happens is when you fear betrayal, your heart begins to get closed off to other people. You find yourself getting jaded. And really, there's a fear underneath that. If you find yourself kind of jaded toward people, a lot of times there's a fear underneath that, the fear of betrayal, the fear of being hurt. Maybe it's the fear of abandonment. There's this sense of like, nobody stays in my life long. You've had loved ones and friends and people kind of move in and out of your life, and it's, it's the fear of, of abandonment. Come on, there's something powerful about identifying your fear, naming it, not stuffing it, not making excuses about it, not trying to project strength, but acknowledging your fear and naming it. You know what that does? That allows you to take it to our good God. That allows you to take it to God and be reminded of just exactly who you are in Christ Jesus. That's why we started with week one, with talking about our identity. And so we come back to that, right? Often we find that things that we're fearful about, they have to do with our identity. And so we run back to who we are in Jesus Christ. And we're reminded of how well we've been loved, how we've been unconditionally loved in Christ Jesus. Here's the second thing. We're talking about how do we overcome a spirit of fear? How do we walk in freedom? Number two is ask, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst thing that can happen? I'm telling you, somebody needs to write this down today. This is going to help you out. Look at what David says in in Psalm 56, verse 4. He says, what can mere mortals do to me? Now, this is a rhetorical question, right? David is essentially saying, what can mere mortals do to me, you know, when God is on my side? But stop and think about this for a moment, okay? I'm sure that King David was also very well aware of in using his imagination of what the Philistines could do to him. David was a battle-tested warrior. He had seen people die on the battlefield. I'm sure it was really easy for his mind, his imagination to think about exactly what the Philistines could do to him. And you might say, Pastor Jimmy, why is this a helpful idea to ask myself, what's the worst possible thing that could happen to me? That doesn't give me peace at all. In fact, that only makes me more fearful. Thanks a lot, Pastor Jeremy. You know, I came to church to be encouraged. Like, why is that helpful? Let me tell you why it's helpful. It's a helpful question because this question of what's the worst that can happen, it moves us from the unknown to the known. It moves us from the unknown to the known. See, often what causes us the most fear is what we can't know and what we can't control. Anybody with me today? Like, how many of you like to be in control of your life? We like to be in control. How many of you really just love uncertainty? Uncertainty about your future, uncertainty about the economy, uncertainty about inflation, uncertainty about your personal finances. Anybody like that? Like, Pastor Jeremy, I just love times of uncertainty because they cause me to trust God more. No, right? We're not wired that way. We don't like uncertainty. We like being in control. In fact, most of the time, if we're honest, we're like, faith is wonderful as long as I know how everything is going to turn out. (laughs) That's not faith. That's us wanting to be in, in control. And so what happens often is that because we don't know what's going to happen, we start filling in the blanks with our imagination. And a lot of times what we imagine is worse than what actually happens In fact, I heard a story, Winston Churchill told a story about an old man who said this on his deathbed. He said, I had a lot of trouble in life, most of which never happened. Most of which never happened. You know, I had my own experience with with fear of the unexpected a few months ago, this past year. 
We, uh, we took my youngest son, Nicholas, to celebrate his birthday at DreamWorks Water Park. Uh, this is over at the American Dream Complex. Have you guys been here yet? This is over in the Meadowlands. It's this huge indoor complex. They have like indoor amusement rides and, and like indoor skiing. It's crazy. Well, they have this water park and it's pretty amazing. I think it's the largest indoor water park in North America. And so they have all these great slides, all these great water slides, but they have these two Two slides called the Thriller Grass Car and the, the Jungle Jammer. Can you guys see those really, just two really long, like tall slides that are like coming out of the roof, out of the ceiling? Can you see that? Okay. All right. So these are, uh, these are the, the two tallest slides they have there. And if it looks scary in the picture, I promise you it's more scary in person. Okay. So I read about these. These are the world's tallest trapdoor capsule slides. They're 14 stories high. Now, if you don't know what a, what a capsule slide is, it's the kind of slide you get inside of it and they close a door and you get in a capsule and the trap door falls out from underneath you and you fall 14 stories. How many of you, that scares you a little bit just thinking about that? Those are the fear of heights, right? And so I got there, okay? And I looked at those slides and I'm like, there ain't no way in the world I'm going down those two water slides, all right? I'll go in the kiddie pool. I'm not going on those things, right? But as we spent the day there, you know, those slides were just kind of there, just taunting us all day. Me and my boys kind of challenging our manhood, laughing at us. And uh, so what happened is we worked up our courage because they have a few trapdoor slides that are a little bit like less height, okay? And so we kind of worked our way up, you know, we did those. And then finally, my oldest son, Aaron, said, come on, dad, we got to take on those tall slides. Now, what are you going to do, right? When your teenage son says... We're going to do this, right? You're going to have to pony up your manhood, right? So, man, we're going up these steps, right? And you know what's happening? The higher we get up the steps, I'm getting sicker to my stomach. Like, why are we doing this? A water park's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be here laughing, having a good time, not worrying about dying on this slide, right? Like, you know that feeling. And so I get all the way to the top, and I'm like, all right, son, we'll do it if you go first. <laughs> and I have to give him credit. He did. You know, we got in. And, uh, but, but here's the thing. This is what kind of got me over the hump. When I got up there, I, and we had been watching people go down, I asked the lifeguard, I'm like, now this is going to be over in like three seconds, right? And she goes, actually, it's more like two seconds. More like two seconds. And I thought to myself, you know, I can endure anything for two seconds. One, two, one, two, right? Like, I, okay, as bad as this might be, it's going to be over in two seconds. And I have to tell you, she moved me from the unknown to the known, right? Like in my mind, I'm, I'm like, I have no idea. What scared me the most is what, am I, what is this going to feel like? And so it got me over the hump. And I'm here. I survived. I did the slide, okay? I got into that chamber. I held on to myself for dear life. And I have to tell you, it was over. Like after one second, it was really, really easy. And so the fear of the unknown was worse than actually falling 14 stories, okay? So if any of y'all go to DreamWorks Water Park, I want to hear your story. Come find me one Sunday and tell me that you worked up the courage to do it. You know, on a more serious note, though, I had to do this during COVID. When COVID first hit, and here I am leading the church, not only worrying about my own family, right, but thinking about our church. And of course, we went into lockdown and couldn't meet in person, kind of a big deal when we're in the business of gathering together. And so my mind began to run crazy, right? Like, what happens if we lose everybody? What if we lose everything? Or, or you know, are people ever going to come back? Or what if people quit supporting the church financially? Is it going to fall, fall apart, right? And you know what I had to do? I had to sit down and say, okay, what's the worst 
That can happen. We have to figure out how to do church online and get through this for a few months. What's the worst that can happen? People stop giving for a while. Okay, praise God. We built up some money and savings for the past few years. Okay, if, if people never come back and the church falls apart, I'm still young. I have my whole life ahead of me. I can put my resume together. I can figure something out, right? But can I just tell you that that moved me from the unknown in my mind being all over the place and I began to, to, to have more clarity in, in, in my thought. And, and so that, that helped me out. Sometimes you got to ask that question. What's the worst possible thing that, that can happen? Because it moves you from being all over the place. And here's the good news, church. Often the things we fear the most never happen. Often the things we fear the most never happen. And so asking that question can actually bring you to point number three. And here it is. Decide how you're going to handle it. Decide how you're going to handle it. We're talking about overcoming a spirit of fear, not being locked up in fear, not being just stuck in, in fear. Once you've asked the question of what's the worst that can possibly happen, then you can, ask the, you can ask yourself and have an honest conversation with yourself about how you're going to handle it. See, with the belief that God is good, with the belief that God is your heavenly Father who loves you, who's for you, like we sang about a moment ago, who's working on your behalf, if the worst case scenario actually happens in your life, then what are you going to do about it? Instead of just being fearful about it, you can begin to make a plan with the wisdom of God and, and think about how you would handle it. If you lose your job, if you get a bad report from the doctor, if you make the wrong choice, if you're single and you swipe right on a person's dating profile and you should have swiped left and it doesn't work out. Like, what if it doesn't work out? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? See, instead of letting fear dominate your thinking, now you can begin to, to, to make decisions trusting that God is with you, even if the worst happens. So you can say, like David said in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. How many of you know the valley of the shadow of death is the worst case scenario? David wasn't necessarily there. Here's what David was saying. If I go through that, God, I know that you love me and you're for me, but I know we live in a fallen world and everything doesn't go necessarily according to the way you planned it. There is sin in this world. There's brokenness in this world. People hurt us. People do us harm sometimes. Even if I go through that, even if I go through the darkest seasons, through the valley of the shadow of death where I fear for my life, God, I can trust in you. I will fear no evil for you are with me. I wish somebody would say amen right about now because you need to get a hold of this truth for your life. Some of you have been through the worst case scenario. I've been through some worst case scenarios in my life and with my family. And guess what I discovered? God never abandoned us. God was with us. God was faithful. Can I tell you that all of my prayers were answered the way I wanted them to be answered? No, I can't tell you that. Can I tell you that God did everything that, the, the way we would have liked him to do it? No, but here's what I can tell you. God was with us. He was faithful even in the worst case scenarios of, of my life. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Here's the fourth thing. We're talking about overcoming a spirit of fear. Number four, pray and rebuke fear. You can pray and rebuke fear. Look at what David does in, in verse four. He says, I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. Look at this. So why should I be afraid? Come on, David's preaching to himself. How many of you know, sometimes you got to preach to yourself. I do this all the time. I'm in the shower preaching to myself. And David does this in the songs. Why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Do you know what David's doing here? He's, he's rebuking his fear. See, we don't know how David handled this decision, all the decisions he made around this particular context with this situation and his enemies pressing down on him. We don't know everything that, that David did in this situation, but we know one thing David did. David prayed. David prayed. 
I love this quote from Pastor Judah Smith I read a while back. He said this, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. The degree to which we find ourselves trusting and relying on God is the same degree to which we will possess courage. Oh, that's so good. Somebody needs to hear that today. That, that courage isn't just about being an elite Christian. Courage isn't never experiencing fear. Courage isn't being able to quote all the right Bible verses in, in your sleep. No, courage is fear that has said its prayers. It's fear that led you to the presence of God to cry out to him, to help you in the middle of that situation. You got to learn how to pray and literally rebuke fear in your life. You know, I learned a really valuable lesson about this when I was a, a kid. And this story has stuck with me my whole life. When I was a kid, um, I don't even remember how old I was, but I mean, probably had to be younger than 10 years old. Um, I, I was watching a scary movie on TV that I was not supposed to be watching. My parents did not let me watch movies like that, okay? And uh, I was watching this, this movie, and my mom caught me. She busted me, and she's like, hey, don't watch that. That's not good for your mind. Come on, my parents were pastors. They, they preached us around the house. She's like, that wasn't, that's not good for your mind. Turn that off. That's not good for you. That's going to bother you. And you know what? She was right. Well, guess what I did? good little pastor's kid that I was, I snuck off and I found another TV and finished watching that movie because <laughs> I wanted to see it, right? Well, guess what? Nighttime came and it was time to go to bed and I was scared. Whatever movie I watched, I don't even remember what movie it was. Like I literally was fearful. I was scared. I didn't want to sleep in my bed, right? And I remember going to my mom and crying out to my mom and saying, mom, can I sleep with you tonight? Can I sleep in the bed with you? And she's like, I told you, son, not to watch that movie, right? And you know what she did? She sent me back to my room and I literally remember this. I, I literally remember crying out from my bedroom to my mom. Mom, I'm scared. Mom, I want to come sleep in the, in the bed with you. My mom said to me, son, Jesus is with you. You need to pray and trust him right now. And you know, it wasn't, it wasn't her being tough on me. She taught me a valuable lesson that night. And you know what I did that night? I remember crying out to God and saying, God, I'm scared. I'm scared in my bed. I'm scared in this room by myself. I'm scared in the dark. And I just began to cry out to God. And you know what? I experienced as a young boy, the peace of God came into that room that night. And I've never forgotten that. Do you know how many times I've had to go back to that childhood lesson in moments of fear? Come on, how many of you know life only gets scarier? <laughs> if only it was as scary as the horror movies. No, it's actually, life is worse than horror movies sometimes, right? <laughs> and so I have learned, I learned that lesson. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go back to that in those times when I've been, been fearful to call out to God, to trust in him, to pray. Sometimes you have to rebuke your fear. You, you got to preach to yourself. Fear, go away from me in Jesus' name. I'm claiming the promises of God. God, I'm trusting in you. Come on, God, I'm remembering your faithfulness. Begin to recount the faithfulness of God. God, you've gotten me through it before. You're going to get me through it again. God, you were with me then. You promised to never leave me nor forsake me. You promised to be with me. I wish you would get this in your spirit this morning, church. You got to learn to pray and rebuke fear and the peace of God will come over your life. It will come over your life. Fear and anxiety is a signal that it's time to pray. Fear and anxiety is not a signal that it's time to freak out, that it's time to lose your mind, that it's time to eat, you know, gallons and gallons of ice cream and gain 50 pounds. That might feel good in the moment, but fear is a signal that it's time to pray to our good God. Is this helping anybody this morning? Here's point number five. Point number five, we're talking about how do we overcome a spirit of fear. Some of you are facing this right now. Some of us are feeling really immobile. We're feeling locked up, like we're carrying around a weight in our lives that's keeping us from moving forward. Number five, you got to resolve to trust God. Resolve to trust God. Look at verse three. Here's what David prays. He says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Such a simple, short verse, but so powerful. Look at this again. Read this out loud with me. But when I am afraid, 
I will put my trust in you. Not if I'm afraid, in the seasons when I'm afraid, I'm gonna put my trust in you. See, David resolves to trust God even in the midst of his fear. Did you know this? Did you know that, that fear and faith can actually coexist at the same time? How many of you knew that? See, some of you, that's challenging your thinking a little bit because you never thought about it that way because you only thought the more faithful I become, the less fear I'm gonna have in my life. And the more spiritual I become, right? And the more I become, you know, I walk with God and I can say all the right things at the right time and quote all the right scriptures, then I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, less, I'm gonna be less fearful. But that's actually not the way it works. We really can't control when fear comes. Fear will find you. Fear will show up in your life. It's possible that we can actually experience fear and faith at the same time. Now, you get to choose which one you're going to lean into, but often we experience both at the same time. See, this is so powerful because often we feel like if I just had more faith, I wouldn't be fearful. Like if I could just be a superhero Christian like, like King David, if I could just be like that person in my life group who prays really good prayers, if I could just be like Pastor Danya, Pastor Dave, if I could just be an elite like superhero Christian, I wouldn't be fearful. But here's the deal. David, King David, like the greatest warrior in all the Bible, King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel. King David, who the scripture says he was a man after God's own heart. He was dealing with fear. He was struggling with fear. David wasn't a superhero Christian. He just knew what to do when he was afraid and he resolved to trust God. He resolved to trust God. Come on, I got good news for you this morning. If you don't feel like a superhero Christian, if you don't feel like an elite Jedi master Christian this morning, if sometimes you feel a little bit fearful every now and then, guess what? You're in good company. Even King David, a man after God's own heart, he experienced fear. Guess what? He just knew what to do with it. And he resolved to trust God. Let me, let me show you another example real quick from Psalm 143. Psalm 143, this, this gets even worse. Look at this, verses three and four. He says, my enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. This is what David feels. This is very real. Now, this is what David does in verses five through six. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for the rain. Come on. Fear is what he feels. Prayer is what he does. <laughs> fear and anxiety and worry and overcoming emotion is what he feels, but prayer is what he does. God, I feel like my life has fallen apart. God, I don't know how to pay this bill. God, I don't know how to repair this relationship. God, I, I, don't, I have fear about the future. I have fear about, about insignificance and, and rejection and how people see me. And, and God, I could wallow in it, but, but here's what I choose to do. I will lift my hands in prayer and trust in you. Trust in your goodness. Throw myself on your mercy and, and your grace. Fear is what I feel, but prayer is what I'm going to do about it. Because here's the reality. We're all going to experience fear. We're all going to go through seasons of life where we feel overwhelmed by fear. Some of you are there right now. The question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it when that happens? And so here's the big idea today. I want to land the plane with this. Being fearless is not about the absence of fear. It's coming face to face with your fear and choosing to trust God in the midst of it. And I hope that encourages somebody today. Because I think sometimes when we feel fearful, we feel less than. I think sometimes when we fear, feel fearful, we feel like we're not being really good Christians. I think sometimes when we feel overwhelmed by, by fear, we, we, we feel like we shouldn't feel that. You know, the Bible gives us permission to feel what we feel. That's what I love about the Psalms. But here's the reality. Being fearless in the sense of walking, walking in victory. 
living in a place where you're, where you're not bound up by fear, but you're, 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 you've overcome it and you're walking in fear. It's not actually the absence of fear. No, it's just coming face to face with it, naming it, calling it what it is, not stuffing it, not making excuses about it, and then coming face to face with that fear, even maybe dealing with what's the worst thing that could possibly happen, and then choosing to trust God in the midst of it. God, I'm going to hold on to you. God, I'm going to trust you. Look at this, Psalm 56, verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. God, I'm not just going to trust you when I'm on the mountaintop. God, I'm not just going to trust you when everything is going well in my life, when my health is good, my relationships are good, my career is going great, there's money in the bank. No, no. Even when I'm the most afraid, that's when I'm resolved to trust you, God. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God, I'm holding on to you. I'm holding on to you. Because we're going to experience fear. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The enemy of your soul wants you to stay locked up in fear. The enemy of your soul wants fear to dominate your life. The enemy of your soul wants fear to dominate your thinking. The enemy of your soul wants fear to become your identity so that you don't grow into everything that God has called you to be. That's the reality. This is really about our identity, church. He wants you to stay locked up in fear. And so we have to learn to trust in God. We have to learn to trust in God, to call upon him. Freedom comes when you learn to trust in the presence of God, the goodness of God, his Holy Spirit in your life, to become dependent on his presence in your life, to be reminded of who you are. Sometimes you have to remind yourself of who you are. I'm a child of God. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. God, God that's, that's who I am. I may be hearing all these voices. I may be hearing the opinions of other people. I may be, be, be telling myself lies. God, I'm going to break out of that and believe your voice above every other voice. Choose to trust in you. Can I just be honest and transparent with you guys for a moment? I, I've battled with a fear of failure most of my life. Some of you identify with that. The way I'm wired, I'm an achiever, you know. I've, I've battled with the fear of failure most of my life. And as I look back at my life, often the fear of failure has been right there keeping me from what God would have me to do. Come on, how many of you know sometimes what God has for you lies just on the other side of your fear? <laughs> the best that God has for you often lies just on the other side of your fear. I can pinpoint certain times of my life when if I had allowed fear to overwhelm me, if I had allowed fear to stop me, I would have missed out on who God was calling me to be and what he was calling me to do. But here's what I learned along the way. Along the way, I just learned how to trust God in the midst of it. I'm not a superhero Christian as your pastor. I battle with fear. I've just learned to do what God has called me to do even when I'm scared. A lot of times the biggest moves of faith I've ever made, I've done it scared. I've done it scared. People ask me, Pastor Jeremy, how did you have the faith to come in here and like transform this building in the middle of COVID and sign the lease and do all that you did? I was scared. I just held on to God. Pastor Jeremy, how did you have the faith to move your whole family here to Westchester, not knowing anybody to, to start a church? I was scared to death, but I learned how to call on the name of Jesus like never before. Come on. If you get inside the trap door and it's about to fall out, you will learn to call on the name of Jesus, right? I've just learned to do it scared. Come on, what's God calling you to do? What's he calling you to do? What, what's the dream that he has for you? What's the purpose he's put in your heart? What's the kind of parent he's called you to be? The kind of husband, the kind of wife, the brother, the sister, the friend, right? Like who's he calling you to be? Do it scared, church. Let's push through the fear. Come face to face with it. Name it. Call it what it is. And then choose to trust in the goodness of God. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to take a moment to do that today. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. We're going to take a moment to just be honest with ourselves. Come on, just bow your heads as we're in God's presence this morning. We're going to be receiving communion in just a moment, but 
Let's just take a few moments just to still our hearts, still our minds. We're so busy throughout the week. Thank you, God, for these sacred times that we come together. We can just do some heart work. Come on, as you're bowing your head this morning, as you're bowing your heart before God today, would you just have an honest moment in God's presence? What is it that you fear? What is it that you fear? Just take a few seconds to think about that. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Maybe it's been right there underneath the surface and you haven't even been mindful of it. I didn't realize that the anxiousness I have, it's, it's caused by fear. The way I've been feeling jittery lately, it's been, it's been caused by fear. That weight that I've kind of had on my, my chest, there's something I fear. Maybe you've been very mindful of the fear, but now you're recognizing today there's something deeper going on. There's the fear of failure, the fear of insignificance, the fear of rejected, may, rejection. Maybe it's something about your very identity. And it's time today to run home to our good God and be reminded of just exactly who he said you are. And so would you pray with me? Here's the good thing. We can take our fear to God. He meets us in the midst of our fear. You're not less than. You're not a second-class Christian. You're right where you're supposed to be today. Let's bring that to our good God today. Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that you promised to never leave us nor forsake us, that you're with us, God. You're with us even in the midst of our fear. And God, today... We bring that fear to you. Come on, somebody needs to name it today under your breath. You need to call it what it is. Go ahead, just speak it out. It just breaks the power of fear off your life. God, we name that thing. God, we've been fearful about our future. We've been fearful about sickness, about a doctor's report, about finances, about the economy, about our marriage, about our relationship, about the way people see us, about our sense of significance, about being abandoned, about somebody hurting us again. God, we name that thing today and we invite you into it. And we thank you that you're good, that you're with us, that you're watching over us. And God, we thank you that your perfect love casts out all fear. And so we rebuke our fear today. We cast it out of our lives today. We receive your presence, God. God, we thank you that you remind us today of exactly who we are in you. We're your sons. We're your daughters. We are your children. And you are our good God. Father, I declare freedom from fear over every person in this place. We say, fear, go away in Jesus' name and be replaced with the peace of God which passes all understanding in Jesus' name. If you receive it and you believe that, would you say amen? Come on, let's give God some praise in this place today for his goodness, amen?